Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk, because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. Isn't that good news? I mean, no, we serve a God you can trust. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I'm going to tell you how I feel today. Last week I was pretty fired up. It was a combination of the Holy Ghost and a lot of caffeine. No, I freaked some of y'all out, beating that symbol like a madman. Pardon my noise. That's the sound of freedom. I feel a little differently today. Early this morning, I was sitting. I, I, I've got this spot, and I bet you've got one in your house. This spot that is just peaceful. It's at the end of my couch, and I can see out the, the window into my backyard, and the sun was just starting to come up, and it was just so peaceful. And see what, you know, last week I had been talking about God's love language all, you, you know, I, I've been studying those passages, and by the time Sunday came, I was just so fired up about God's love language and how we should be a people who lifts our voice in praise to our God. This week I've been... Spent a lot of time studying about our trustworthy God. And I sort of feel like I feel when I'm sitting on that spot in my couch. I feel, I feel this calm assurance that the God that we serve is, in fact, trustworthy. You can trust Him. And I don't... I don't throw that phrase out flippantly because I'm a pastor and it's something that I'm supposed to say. I'm telling you that because I genuinely, with conviction, believe that the God that we're going to talk about this morning, the God that many of you know, is trustworthy. In fact, He can be nothing but trustworthy. It's impossible for him to break his trust because he's perfect. So what I want to do today is I, I want to I give you some reasons out of the Psalms. And, and frankly, the book of Psalms is full. In fact, that's sort of a theme that, that runs through the book of Psalms, through this collection of songs and poems, is that 
even when I'm running for my life, I can trust God. Even when all seems well, I can trust God. Even on my worst day, I can trust God. So I'm going to give you, I, I, I didn't even count them, I'm going to give you four or five, I guess, reasons why you can trust God. And you, maybe you're here today and you say, Dwayne, listen, I've been, I've been following Jesus for a long time. You don't have to convince me. Pay attention. Because I, I imagine that there's been a moment or two in your life when maybe the trust and faith that you have in God was shattered and, and shaken, maybe is a better word, by circumstances in this life. So I, I love the way my wife tells, says these words, lean in, pay attention, because it just may be that God establishes a stronger trust in Him in your life than, than has ever been before. First of all, let's, let's look at this. I can trust God because His Word trumps my fear. <laughs> I, Mikey was in my office this morning and I said, has there ever been a time when you've said something like you were teaching or preaching something and, and you had to, and you realized that what you said was not right? And he went, no. <laughs> I, I, remember, I, I remember back when COVID hit, I, I said something that, that I'm not sure is even accurate. I said, because everybody was freaking out. You remember what it was like, March of 2020, you know? Don't go anywhere. And everybody's kind of freaking out a little bit. You know, we're going to run out of food in, you know, six days or whatever. And I said, I said something like this. Faith and fear can't exist in the same place. And that sounds like a very powerful thing for a preacher to say. But, but look at what David said in Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So I, I, I'm reading this and I, I just bowed my head and I thought, Lord, is, did, did I say it wrong? Can fear and faith coexist? And just like he's sitting beside me, here's what I hear, heard him whispering in my heart. You better hope it can. What would you do in the midst of those moments when fear grips your heart were it not if you didn't have the ability to cling on faith? What would you do? You better hope that fear and faith can coexist. You better hope that in the midst of your dark day, you better hope that in the midst of facing a circumstance and situation that you can't define and you can't control, you better hope that you can cling to something besides your fear. <laughs> Look at what David said. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. We don't, we don't like to think of David as a man who would walk in fear, but, but understand, um, he was in a point when he wrote this passage where everybody wanted him dead. Those that 
He called his mentors, wanted him dead. The people wanted him dead. Everywhere he went, somebody was trying to kill him. That's a bad day. David, David didn't wait until the fear was gone to put his trust in God. And I'm going to suggest that you and I should do the same. That even in our anxious moments, even in our fearful moments, can we trust God in spite of our fear? And the answer is yes, because just because you're afraid doesn't mean he is. Just because you're losing your way, just because you're losing your mind. Now, I know nobody in here has ever lost your mind over something. Just because you've lost your way, just because you, you can't predict the future, just because you don't know what's coming down the road, just because you're in a, in a moment of fear. How many know there's a difference between a moment of fear and a spirit of fear? Now, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but that doesn't mean there's never going to be a moment when you're afraid. Okay, there's a difference. David didn't wait till the fear was gone to put his trust in God. Do you know why? He tells you why. Because your word I praise. He understood who God was because he had a, a relationship with God's word. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. How I many you know you don't study your Bible? You don't read your word. You don't, you don't spend time with God's word just for the moment that you're in at present. You may be spending time in God's word for what's coming down the road. You may be, God might be preparing your heart. You might be studying, you might be reading something. You might be going through your devotion and you go, hey, that's good, but I don't know if that really applies to, to me. Well, you might want to hang on a minute. Because how, how many understand that, that just because you can only see right now that God, God exists a little bit beyond that? Look what he said. What can flesh do to me? Put my trust in God. I, I won't be afraid. Oh, by the way, can I just, let me just clear up a little something. And this is, I don't know how you feel about this. Um. There's a lot of gods out there. Let me tell you what I mean. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of folks that, that have put their trust in a God, but it's not the God of the Bible. Uh, you know, you know my, my friend Billy said it well, right? We don't put our trust in Washington. We don't put our trust in, in Wall Street. We don't put our trust in our money. We don't put our trust in our bank. We don't put our trust in our government. Listen, I'm thankful for all of those things, and those all those things are necessary, but that's not where I put my trust. I put my trust in the God of the Bible. And oh, by the way, he's the only one that you can't trust. You notice that transition? He's in fear. He trusts in God and then says, I shall not be afraid. There's this, there's this metamorphosis that happens in his heart when he is in a fearful moment and makes a choice to trust the God that he knows because he has a relationship with, with him through the power of his word. And then the fear's gone. What? 
all of a sudden, I'm afraid, and now I don't sweat nobody. That's my literal translation. I don't sweat nobody. What can He's just a man. And all of a sudden, I, 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 I see the little boy David rising up in that passage when he's standing before a giant, fearless. See, he went from, from being afraid to, and, and maybe God reminded him of that moment when he stood before this huge giant and said, who do you think you are? I've often said, and I've heard other pastors say, you know, it's not a, it's not a matter of how, how big you are in comparison to your giant. It's how big your God is compared to the giant. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that you don't have to fear because God's word trumps your fear. I can trust God, listen, because of who he is. You don't have space for this. Write it down. He's trustworthy. That's who he is. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Those who know your name. What's his name? You know, we don't have time to go through all of the names of God, but I picked one that I want... That, that I thought might encourage you because it encourages me. There, there are seasons in my life where this is, sometimes I, I love the name Jehovah Shalom. I always love that name because it's the God of peace. And I've told you many, many times that when I pray for you, oftentimes I'll, I'll use that phrase, Jehovah Shalom, invade this home. God of peace, invade this circumstance. But, but here's the one I want to just, just talk to you about. It's Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi was only used one time in the whole Old Testament. And it happened when, and, and some of you will remember this story in Exodus 17 where uh, Joshua and the armies are fighting a battle and Moses climbs a hill and lifts his hands over the battlefield. And the battle goes on and goes on and goes on. And Aaron and Hur scoop up between them and, and help Moses keep his hands high. Because as soon as Moses grew weary and his hands began to drop, then the Israelites were losing the battle. Aaron and Hur helped him hold his hands up. And all of a sudden, they, they won this battle. And Moses built an altar there and called that place Jehovah Nisi and it means the Lord our banner and, and let me tell you why I think that's so significant for you and for me today see in in those days even in that battle the the person on the front line of that army wasn't an archer and it wasn't someone with a spear or a sling or an AR. It was, it was a man holding a giant pole with a banner. And that banner identified the army that was behind him. 
In other words, the people behind me belonged to this banner. And it would have the, the name of the army. It would have, in Hebrew, it would, it would probably said something like the, the uh, you know, the Israel. Or it would have the army of the Lord on that banner. And Moses called that place Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. And here's what I need you to hear. And here's why you can trust your God. Because he goes before you. And the enemy recognizes who's following him. You can trust him because he goes before you. You can trust him because he's identified you as his own. You can trust him because when you get to tomorrow, he's already been there. He's your banner. He goes before you. That's who he is. Those who know your name trust in you, O Lord, because you don't abandon those who search for you. And then I can trust in God because he is my defense. <laughs> There's two reasons you need a defense. The first reason, you need a defense when you're under attack. Anybody ever felt that way, like you're under attack? Like, it, it, all right, slow down. It's just coming, you know, one right after the other. Anybody ever felt that way? You know, you got a couple of choices there. You can, you can cry or you can just laugh. There's been times in our lives when it just, you know, one right after the other, and we just stopped and just laughed. Because you know why? It's either that or cry in those moments, right? Well, see, you need a defense when you're under attack, right? And if you've ever felt that way, maybe listen to this passage of Scripture. Psalm 62, verse 5 to 8 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in Him. He alone, you know what Billy said? I trust in God alone. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory, honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Now listen, oh, my people, trust in him at all times. You mean even when I'm under attack at all? all times you mean even when it comes on monday and tuesday wednesday and thursday just at all times pour out your heart to him for god is our refuge i'm going to tell you that there's a place we talked about it in week one there's a safe place it's psalms 91 he who dwells in this secret place there's a secret place in the presence of god and when you're under attack you can crawl in the arms of your savior you can crawl in the arms of god and i'm going now, now listen, that doesn't always mean that the attack goes away. That does mean you don't walk through it by yourself. Isn't that good news, by the way? So I need defense when I'm under attack. When else do you need defense? I need defense when I'm being accused. Listen, if somebody accuses you of a crime, y'all going to laugh at this, but you know, you know what show I still love? I love the people's court. I know that's weird. 
I see it on your face. You're going, yes, that's pretty weird. I just love it. I just think it's hilarious, and it's so cool, and I, I, I'm pretty competitive. Any competitive people in the room? No, just me. I, I, and so, like, I'll start listening to the story, and I want to predict what, you know, the judge is going to say. I'm going to, like, I got this one figured out. I could be the judge right now. And, and here's what's bad. They always get in trouble. Do you know why? Because they're standing there by themselves. They don't have someone pleading their case. Now listen, if you got accused of a crime and you were facing the pokey, you wouldn't go there by yourself. You wouldn't show up in a court of law by yourself if your freedom was on the line. You'd have somebody who knew more about the law, who knew more about the situation, who knew more about the legal system pleading your case. When you're accused, you need a defense. Is that right? First John chapter 2 says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Can I tell you that you've been accused? And, oh, by the way, you are guilty as charged. Aren't you glad that you have an advocate with the Father, somebody standing between you and Him, pleading your case? His name is Jesus. And in two weeks, we're going to celebrate a risen Jesus. But next Sunday, let me tell you something. You don't need to wait to invite people to... On Sunday, you need to get them here next week. You know why? Because there's not an empty tomb without a bloody cross. Next week, we're going to talk about a bloody cross. Jesus. In that, in that song we just read, he used the word refuge twice. And you ought to understand what that meant in, in Old Testament terms. That they set up what was called cities of refuge. Like if you committed a crime and, and, and there were people that were trying to kill you because you committed a crime, you could run to these cities of refuge and find safety. The priest would protect you. Even and, until you got a chance to be proven guilty or not guilty, they would protect you. And even if you were, even if you were guilty, you could stay there. City of refuge. I'm going to tell you, you're guilty. Aren't you thankful that somebody paid your penalty? Aren't you thankful that somebody pled your case? Aren't you thankful that somebody stood in your place and took your punishment? He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so we could become the righteousness of God in him. If you can't trust that, Listen, I'm, uh, I'm well aware that there's a lot of nonsense going on in our world. And I don't want to be one of, those, one of those Christians that just checks out of what's going on around him. I, I, that's not what I'm even advocating here this morning. I am telling you, I don't put a lot of stock in it. 
I was listening. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'll, I want to, I want to find just some, some uh, a, a preacher and just listen, just for my own, just, just moment of separation from what I've been studying all week. And this morning, I was listening to one of my favorites, and here's what he said. He said, "There's a lot of problems in this world, but if you're born again, they're not your problem." Come on, that's good right there. Hey, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, but if you're born again and it's not your problem, the worst thing that could happen is Russia blows up the world. That's the worst thing that could happen. It ain't going to happen, but that's the worst thing that could happen. Y'all calm down. I don't know anything that y'all don't know. But guess what? If that happens, I read, I read the page after that where we're all okay. Now, I'm not one of those Christians that just want to escape. I, I, that's not me. I'm just going to tell you, I trust God enough to know that I'm not going to freak out every time Fox News comes on. I, I'm, I, I did that for a long time, and I'm just not doing it anymore. I'm just not doing it anymore. I told you all, I was, I'd get up, I'd make my coffee, I'd watch Fox News, Fox News, and I'd drive to the church ticked off. It was ruining my day, and I stopped. I'm like, I'm not starting my day this way. I'm sure how I got on that. I can trust God because he's my defense. I can trust in God, listen, because he's near. Do this. Everybody take a deep breath. That air in your lungs, God's nearer to you than that. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Listen, yes, to all who call on him in truth. In truth. You know, the, the church and, and Christianity in general, are uh, they're in a bit of a, how do I want to say this? Um. They're coming under a lot of, a lot of scrutiny. And, and truthfully, some of it's our fault. I mean, we've done some, we've done some goofy things. I mean, and I, I'm not going to go into all of it, but there's been some stuff in the news even this week about, uh, you know, churches that have, or pastors that have struggled and done some stupid things. Can I just say it like it does some stupid things? And so the, the, an unbelieving world will see that and jump on it and, 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 and start digging at the church and start digging at Christianity. And it, and it grieves me when I see that, and I know it does you too. And, and we start trying to defend, you know, our, our beliefs. We start trying to be, de- defend, and it just becomes this, especially if you're on social media, and, and listen, I, I don't know how you are, but not everybody on my social media accounts are love Jesus. And sometimes I hear about it. Sometimes I, when, when, the, when the church, because it's full of broken people, does stupid things, um, I, I hear about that sometimes. Or when there's some, there's some big name um, Christian celebrity that, that walks away from their faith or denounces their faith or does something stupid. I, I hear about that. 
And I think that it's caused the church to take on a defensive stance. And I'm not sure that's how we're supposed to be. I'm not supposed to Let's just all hide away from these mean people that don't like the church until the trumpet sounds. Look at, look at what... Look at what he said. He said, the Lord is close to all who call on him. And then he says it again. All who call on him in truth. See, we get accused of being an exclusive religion. And that sounds harsh. But I'm going to tell you that sometimes exclusivity is not a bad thing. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Any, any golf fans in the room, all right? What's coming up this week? Masters. All right, if you're a golfer, that's the Super Bowl. All right, so if you're unfamiliar, the Masters takes place in Augusta, Georgia, at the most prestigious golf club literally on the planet. And so I had a, had a meeting with with a friend of mine a few weeks ago in Augusta, and we're eating at the Cracker Barrel. Come on, somebody. Everybody loves some Cracker Barrel. We're eating at the Cracker Barrel, and he says, hey, have you ever been to Augusta National Golf Course? And I went, no. He said, let's go. And I went, okay, let's go. And so we went. We put Augusta National Golf Course in his GPS, and it gave us directions. And do you know what we could not see? The Augusta National Golf Course. Do you know why? Because there's a wall all the way around it. We couldn't even see the parking lot because even the chain link fence had that stuff stuck between the chain links where you couldn't see into it. You, we got one glimpse of one corner of one building, and we all, oh, we saw Augusta National. So I'd like you, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to show up there next Thursday when they start the round, when they start the Masters Tournament. And go, I'm just coming in. I just want to see. You know what they're going to do? You're going to be in the pokey because they're going to have you arrested. Would you say that's exclusive? Of course it is. Have you ever tried to go to a professional sporting event and just walk in the door? No, you can't because it's exclusive. And why do they do that? Because people pay for seats to sit down and, and watch, the, watch the game, right? And if you come in without a ticket, you're going to take somebody's seat. Yes, Christianity is exclusive. And I'm going to tell you, and this is not going to, this, this grieves my heart, because, but it just happens to be the truth. Remember I told you, there's all kinds of gods, right? In the time of trouble, when you call on one of those other gods, they're not going to hear you. In the time of trouble, when you call on that thing that you've, invested your life in that will burn and will fade away it's not going to hear you but when you call on the God of truth he's going to hear you you got to do it on his terms my Muslim friends my agnostic friends don't like it when I say this but I just happen to believe the Bible, that there is one way 
to the God of truth. There's one door, and his name is Jesus. And the only way I'm going to understand that God is trustworthy is when I walk through the doorway that is Jesus Christ. And listen, that's the only way. When I call on the God in truth, Jesus said that the Father was looking for those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the door is wide open. And all you got to do is call on him. But there is only one door. There's only one door. My humanity, you know what? Do I, I'd love to see, you know, everybody get in. But I don't make the rules, y'all. I didn't, I, I didn't create the world. I didn't give my life. That one door's name is Jesus, and he bought your salvation, and he purchased your freedom, and he, and he paid for your sin. And so if he says that's the only door, then that's the only door. God, Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. Listen, I love this phrase. A very present help in trouble. Very present. How, wouldn't you think that just grammatically present would be enough? Don, are you here? Could you be more here? Could you be very here? You know, it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's almost like, like David was saying, not only he's really here, he's extremely here. He's incredibly here. He's incredibly present. He's very present in your time of trouble. He could not be more present in your time of trouble. I can trust God because he's near. And then lastly, listen, I can trust God <laughs> because he knows. What, what does he know? He knows. He knows. That, that thing that uh, keeps you awake, he knows. <laughs> that, that thing that creates fear in your life and in your mind and in your soul he knows what does he know he knows that sin that you've hid from everybody else and that you just you pretend isn't there he he knows that anxiety that you mask with a joke or a smile he knows Not only does he know, he's always known. I, I wonder if God laughs when we try to hide our stuff from him. I wonder if he chuckles when we walk in and we're broken and hurting and somebody asks how we're doing. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I wonder if he chuckles and goes, I know. These, these other people, they may not know. Your husband, he may, he may not know. Your spouse, your children, they, they might not know, but I know. And he's always known. Hmm. 
See, I, I think we have this idea that if, if people really knew the real me, if they knew the real me, they, 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 they'd put up a wall. They would reject me if they knew the real me. And, and I think we transfer that to God. If God knew the real me, he, 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 wouldn't, he wouldn't pour his grace and mercy and love on me. If he knew the real me, listen to me, he knows. And he's always known. The worst day, he knew. And he always knew, always knew. And how did he respond? But God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew. I, I, don't, I don't like living in my past, but I, if I just try real hard, I can, I can dig up the, the worst days of my life when I walked as far away as I could get from God. And he knew. And it blows my mind to think that before I walked down that path, he knew. Sometimes I play this little game on my phone just to, just to kill time when I'm in certain places. And if I, I see that I'm not going to win, if I see that it's not going to be a successful game, you know what I do? Start over. And I wonder sometimes why God didn't do that with Dwayne. If he knew all along that I was going to walk down a bad path, if he knew all along that I was going to have things in my life that displeased him, if he knew all along, why didn't he just start over? Why didn't he just take this lump of clay and throw it in a heap? See, God loved you too much for that. You know what he did? He just kept forming, and he just kept molding you. He kept spinning that potter's wheel. He knows. The 139th Psalm says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Stop. See, we, we read that and, we, and part of us goes, thank you, Jesus. And part of us goes, uh-oh. You, that, that thing in my in the closet of my heart that I've hidden from everybody else, that, that anger, that pride, that lust, that whatever that thing is that you've kind of swept in the closet and closed, he knows. He's examined it and knows everything about you. Uh -oh. Verse 2 says, you know when I sit down, you know when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Oh, anybody ever think something when you're sitting in traffic that you probably shouldn't think? Anybody ever think something when that person got on your last nerve and you thought, I'd just like to snuff you off this planet? Now, we chuckle, but God knows. 
Oh, look at verse 3. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. Again, part of us goes, thank you, Lord. And part of us goes, even that? You, knew, you know that? That thing that nobody else knows, you know that? He knows. <laughs> Verse 4, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You ever let a word come out of your mouth and you thought, I'm glad nobody heard that. <laughs> he knows. And if we didn't know who God was, here's what we'd, we would be. We would be cowering in fear because he knows. But that's not who God is. Even though he knows and knew and has always known how how is he going to provide a way to cover all of that stuff that he knows? He stepped into earth, gave his life. Why? Because he knows that without him, And he knows what you don't know. He knows that, that thing that's on the horizon. Sometimes they're good things and sometimes they're not so good things, right? Well, he knows. Well, I wish he'd fill me in. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want to know. So what, what do I do then? We trust him. And let me tell you what trust looks like on a very practical, you can come on up and play, on a very practical level. If you're driving your car and you don't know where you're going and someone else is driving their car and they do know where they're going, what position are you in? You're going to follow, aren't you? Have you ever been leading someone maybe you're you're riding down the road and and you know where you're going and you know the person behind you doesn't and you get on the interstate and they pass you and you think well that's dumb you don't know where you're going i wonder if you've ever done that with god god i know you know where you're going and i know you know what's best and i know that you know that you know but i think i'm just going to do things my way <laughs> see what what trust looks like is God even though I don't know where I'm going even though I don't know what's ahead even though I'm not even sure of, of where this road is leading me I trust you enough to follow you even though I have questions even though I, I, I don't I don't fully understand every turn on this journey. I trust you because I know that you know. Part of living a surrendered life is trust.
That's why in, instead of calling us Christians, I like to call us Christ followers. And I know that's just semantics, but isn't that more descriptive of who we are? You know, I don't have all my act together. I'm still a work in progress, but I'm following. So I want you to bow your heads with me. And I hope today you've seen some reasons why you can trust God. But ultimately, here's the truth. You, <laughs> Trusting God is a choice. And you can, you can choose to trust God or you can choose not to. I want you to hear one more time from my heart. God is trustworthy. And you can trust him with your path. And you can trust him with your life. And you can trust him with your heart. And you can trust him with your future. And you can trust him with your emotions. And you can trust him with your family. And you can trust him with your relationships. And you can trust him with your money. And you can trust him with all of the things that you worry about. You can trust him with. So here's my challenge to you. Just trust Him. It sounds so simple, I know. But I want us to pray a prayer together this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you'd say you're in a season where trust is difficult. Because the attacks are coming and coming and coming. Remember, he's your defense. Maybe you're having a hard time trusting because of all the stuff, all the sin. All, all the depression, all the anxiety, all the resentment, all the unforgiveness that nobody knows about, and you're having a hard time trusting because of all the stuff. Listen, he knows, and he's madly in love with you anyway. You can trust that. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you this morning. And if you're here, you're watching online, and Dwayne, I've trusted in a lot of things, but I'm not trusting God right now. There's a circumstance in my life where I'm not trusting God. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's something, I don't know. Maybe it's something in your future. I just want to encourage you. He's trustworthy. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, 
you are indeed trustworthy. There's nothing that I walk through. There's nothing that I'll experience. There's nothing that I'll ever face that I can't trust you with. So thank you for this book that's full of, of, of words that lead us to understand that we can trust our God, our, our, our Father. Thank you that you are our defense. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're our banner, that you go before us. Thank you, Lord, that you are our defense. Thank you, Lord, that you know. So God, I pray for those in this room that are watching online that would say, I'm, at, I'm in a difficult place. I just need to learn to trust God in the middle of this circumstance. God, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. God, I recognize that the choice to trust is a difficult one on our own, but thank you that we have an advocate with the Father, a comforter, a counselor, the Holy Spirit to give us grace in our moment of doubt. Thank you that even in the middle of our fear, we can find faith and trust in a God who can't fail. We love you, Jesus. Before we leave, I just want to just sing this chorus just a time or two. Don, would you lead us? I will build my life I wonder if you'd stand to your feet across this room and just make this declaration. I'll build my life you alone, oh God. Firm foundation. Listen, put my trust, my trust in you alone. In you Come on, lift your voice. Let's sing to the Lord. And I will not be shaken. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Lord, we worship you. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We lift our voice in praise to you today. Jesus' name. Come on, offer the Lord an ovation of praise for His goodness. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Remember, no services this Wednesday. Invite somebody for Palm Sunday next Sunday. God bless you. Have a great day. I will be.